Good morning. Good to see y'all. I'm going to uh, uh, put a little parentheses in our kingdom thing and talk this morning about the sovereignty of God. And I wrote uh, this little sort of a, uh, I guess you might call it just a paper that I did to give to people because I regularly get this question asked of me. And then uh, from last week's sermon, I got a few more questions asked. And so I thought, well, I'll just write it, and that way I can just hand it to them, let them do a study for themselves on this topic. So I thought, as long as I wrote it, I might as well teach it. So this isn't the normal thing, though it does fit uh, in in regards to the kingdom and God's sovereignty and such. So I have the paper, but I'm going to give it to you afterwards. I'm afraid if I give it to you, you'll just fall asleep and not listen to me. So... um, Everything that I'm going to say is on the paper, so if you want to go to sleep, you can, and then just read it afterwards, so that'll work. Let's pray before we go. Father, thank you for this morning. I do pray you'd lead and guide and, and each of us as we uh, think about your word and about our walk and relationship with you. do pray that you'll use each one of us to, as your servants, as your witnesses uh, to, uh, to influence people, that more and more will come to know you, disciples be made because of our lives. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okie dokie, here we go. So, this is, uh, these are things I wrote about me in the sense of what I read regularly uh, to influence, keep my mind uh, square on. So first one, I work, labor, strive, set goals, plan, act, act responsibly, strive for excellence, make sacrifices in my life as if everything was dependent on my being a champion for God. So I think, act, live, choose as if uh, it depends totally on what I do and what I accomplish with my life. So that's the front end, so don't get uh, nervous yet because we'll finish with the back end, uh, the balance statement from that. And so working, laboring, striving, setting goals, act responsibly. Um, So just living with purpose, passion, zeal, vision, I, every morning, start with my prayer of commitment and say, today, Lord, I will, I will, I will, I will. And so I have a whole list of commitments in regards to my disciplines, the Bible, the prayer uh, that I do, the work that I do, the uh, goals that I have. And so I want to be in fourth gear by about 10 minutes out of, out of, after I get out of bed and stay there all day and run the race with endurance that God's put before me. So I live that way. Hebrews, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance. Encumbrance, that would be anything that would keep us from running well, uh, anything that would sort of slow us up, and the sin which so easily entangles us easily. I mean, it's, it's just, we just grow stuff, uh, and it just slows us down, bogs us down. And uh, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we're going to run every day. We're going to constantly set aside those things that slow us down, make us ineffective, cause problems, whether that's addiction to angry birds or uh, whatever it would be in your life that would be sort of an anchor. You're thinking about how you're doing all the time and working it running Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the often perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Consider him who has endured such hostility by, him, uh, by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 1 Corinthians uh, 9, 24 through 27. You all know this is my favorite verse. Uh, passage has been a motivation, a focal point for my life. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things in every detail of their life. They do it to win a perishable wreath, but we do it to win an imperishable wreath that will last forever and ever. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. It means he's got 69 goals. So he's working, moving towards something. I don't run as if without aim, and I don't box as if beating the air. I discipline my body. I discipline my body, my flesh that's always lazy, doesn't want to do anything. I discipline my body, make it my slave, so after I've preached all of you, I myself would not be disqualified, disqualified for the prize. That's the judgment seat of Christ. Paul, I think, was striving to be the one sitting at the right hand of Jesus. He said, all these dudes are running to win. If you're in it, run it to win. And so he was doing that. I don't think I'm going to be the person there at the right hand of Jesus, but I would like to be eh, within uh, shouting distance, close, so, Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 2. Now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God. Diligently, diligently, that means really working hard. Um, being careful, careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. So that's choice I make, you make. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God, if you obey the Lord your God, if you serve Him, follow Him. So take diligent heed to yourselves. Diligent heed to yourselves. Pay attention to what you're doing and, and what your heart is like and what your soul is like, where your focus is, and uh, don't drift away. Stay focused, hot, on fire. Give heed to yourself. Deuteronomy 4.9, give heed to yourself. Think about who you are, where you're at, how you've grown, what you're accomplishing. Give heed to yourself. Keep your soul. Keep your soul. Uh, uh, that means shepherd your own heart. Keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Number two. So that last statement, uh, uh, I work diligently uh, with everything I have, watching my heart and soul, setting goals, acting, uh, pursuing, as if I don't, the whole world will go to hell. And uh, it's obviously not true, but I have that focal and that uh, passion and that uh, zeal every day. I want to operate like that. I will be judged for my work done in this life, and I will receive rewards for a life well lived and loss of rewards if I do nothing that matters. So at the judgment seat of Christ, I will receive rewards or loss of rewards. And, uh, and there's references to consequence. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but there's obviously a day of reckoning. Uh, Romans says that we will be held accountable for what we've, how we've lived our life. And uh, so I live every day in light of the end of my life when I stand before Christ and, and judged by Him, rewarded by Him, praised by Him. 
or the lack of that on the basis of having done nothing. Judgment rewards consequences are valid when there is choice or free will. In other words, if I'm going to be judged, it's because I have choice or free will to do good or not, to be responsible or not, uh, to sacrifice or to be selfish, uh, to invest my life to reach the lost people or stay in bed. And so uh, without freedom, there's no accountability or there's no reason for it. 2 Corinthians 5.10, you've all memorized this one. We must all, that's you and I, believers, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's a date you have, I have, all of us. We're going to stand before Him so that each one may be recompensed, recompensed, rewarded, paid back for his deeds, his work in the body according to what He has done, whether good or bad. So that date is set for you, me, and we will stand before Christ and give an accounting and be recompensed, rewarded for what we've done I don't know how you're anticipating that going for you uh, in the sense of a well-done, good and faithful servant or you wicked, lazy slave. Uh, so we'll be in both extremes there when we have that experience. Whatever you do, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, steelhead fishing, teaching Sunday school class, whatever you do, do your work heartily, heartily, that means with everything you've got. As for the Lord, rather than for men, knowing, knowing, that's the key word, knowing, understanding certain things to be true, that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. The inheritance, that means you're a believer, you're in the family. The reward of the inheritance, uh, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality, uh, so that's, again, at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm not exactly sure what that's going to be, but I just assume, personally, not to find out. Uh, I'll ask you how that went. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> First uh, Corinthians 3. Each man's work, ladies, too. Work. Work, that's what we've done. Work will become evident the day, the day, that's the day we stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ. The day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. Fire itself will test the quality, the quality of each man's work. A work. Uh, so that's the judgment seat of Christ. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so is through fire. We're saved not on the basis of those works. We're saved by faith. But some people are going to get there and they're going to have nothing to show for the life they've lived. Everything they've done is going to be burnt up. They will be saved, but they will enter into heaven smelling like smoke. And uh, so uh, rewards or loss of rewards, some will have a boxcar full, some will have none. And so I live my life every day when I prayed my prayer this morning, I said, Today, Lord, I will live this day as if it's the last one I have before I stand before you and give an accounting and recompense rewarded for the deeds I've done in the body, whether good or bad. Help me to run fast, hard, work, think, speak today as if it is the last day I have before I stand before you. I don't want to say that uh, just as words, but to live it as reality <clears throat> every day I make choices that are wrong and every day I choose to disobey God, I'm, I'm working at having a day where that's not true before I die, at least one. But so far, 
Every day I've made choices that are not good choices. Uh, I've made choices to disobey God. Every day I choose to do right. Every day I choose to follow Him. So we're making choices all day long. Good choices, bad choices. Uh, my life and the lives of others are impacted by the choices that I make every day. Uh, my kids, my grandchildren, you uh, were, uh, are impacted by the choices I make. Choices that you make, you influence people in your life. In other words, they're blessed or not blessed, uh, receive reward or loss of it because of the things that you do. In other words, there's consequence uh, for everything that we do. The family, neighbors, friends, people in our churches. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse, so choose. Choose. So we have been given by God the ability and the freedom to choose Choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying His voice, by holding fast to Him. <clears throat> For this is your life and the, the length of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give to them. Joshua twenty four fifteen. If it is dis disagreeable in your sight, this is a verse that people stick on the side of their house regularly. Uh, you don't want to, fine. Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. You choose. Follow the Lord or not. Whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Again, uh, we have been given by God uh, the, the ability to choose. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. God is not mocked so. I sow, that is, I choose. I make choices. Whatever I sow, I will reap. Uh, good seed, bad seed, God is not mocked. So there's a level of freedom that I have to make those choices, to sow those seeds and uh, receive the reward or the loss of it from it. Number four, God plans and predestines our lives. So uh, talk about the first three. I can choose, I can plan, I can set goals. I live my life as if it uh, makes a huge difference, but on the flip side. So what's the definition of heresy? I gave this to one of the classes I taught recently. Truth out of balance. Truth out of balance. Okay, the Bible, almost every truth is intention, is intention in the sense of a, a tug of war. In other words, you have on this side... A truth and you have on this side a truth and they appear to be uh, opposites they're not there there's a tension involved in them and the reason that sometimes we can't figure out where it is is because we're not god we're not looking at things from his perspective we're people looking at things from our perspective but we have the ability to hold two truths that uh are intention that are sort of pulling against each other and the goal in that is to be balanced between those two views. And heresy is being out of balance one direction or the other because we kind of glom on to part of it and ignore the other part. So people ask me, do you believe in the free will of man? I say, yes. So you don't believe in the sovereignty of God? Oh, yeah, I believe in the sovereignty of God. Do you believe that God gives us choice? I say, yeah. Do you believe he plans our life? Yes. How can they be true, both of them? I don't know, but they are. And so I hold those truths, both of them, uh, and I maintain balance between them. I work at it uh, in what I, what I say, what I do, how I think, how I pray, 
how I worship, how I give thanks. And so I live every day as if it all totally depends on me, but I constantly am seeking His help, His strength, His direction, His guidance. And when the day is done, I say, Lord, thank you for what you did today and what you gave me the privilege of doing. And so maintaining that balance. And so I want to stay on fire, motivated. The quickest way to become unmotivated and put your fire out is to get out of balance one way or the other. So you go all the way over to the first couple of points and you will just totally uh, fry. You won't have any energy. You'll lose your fire because you'll just totally wear out. You go clear the other direction and you become passive. It's like, wow, God's great. I'm just going to watch and see what he does and uh, he's doing his thing. And so I think I'll watch TV or play Angry Birds or whatever. So you maintain the balance between those two. God plans, predestines our lives. He predestined us to adoption, Ephesians 1.5, as sons through Christ, Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. And uh, somebody asked me after my sermon last week, are you an Arminian? I said, uh, yes. Oh, so you're not a Calvinist. Oh, so yeah, yeah, I am very much a Calvinist. How can you be a Calvinist and an Arminian? Well, you know, I just switch back and forth real fast. <laughs> so when I say Arminian, I'm not saying the full barrel thing. All I'm saying is that I have choice. I am responsible. I will be held accountable. Uh, I can be lazy or I can be zealous. I can be fruitful or I can be unfruitful. And uh, I will choose that every day. But apart from him, I can do nothing. I can't take my next breath. And he has a perfect will and plan for my life. And so maintaining the balance between those is important. Also, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined, Ephesians 1.11, uh, predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, after the counsel of his will. At the end of my life, I will spend eternity uh, with Jesus or in the lake of fire based on my faith and commitment. So I'm going to be a believer in Jesus, trust Him as my Savior, be forgiven, adopted into His family. Um, and so one of the others is true of me on the basis of I'm in or I'm out, I'm a believer or I'm not. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son that whoever, whoever, whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. So this verse is one that drives me. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved, desires all men to be saved. He desires all men to be saved. I don't, I can read that verse upside down. I can read it backwards. I can read it in the Greek. And there's not anything you can do to that to make it say anything other than what it says. God desires all men, every man, every person to be saved. And uh, so I believe that, and I strive for that, I want that, I work for that, to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. Will they? No. But that's what he wants. So, is it, is it the, Ar the Arminian view that, that people are predestined? No. Calvinism. Calvinism, okay. Okay, the, the, the predestination... Uh, 
So if you hold a whole Calvinistic view, the, the, there's basically five points of Calvinism. One of the things that you can't get away from is if you're elected predestined to salvation, and then, but if uh, Gary's not, so though you don't like to say it, he is predestined to the lake of fire by God. And uh, so you have one that is in, one that's out by God's sovereign choice and nothing you can do about that. So that would be the clear, full Calvinistic view of the five points uh, of, of Calvinism. Now, Arminianism, on the other hand, would say that's not true. Uh, we have total free choice of whether we're in, whether we're out. And so you've got two particular views on, on that kind of thing. And so I... Uh, uh, I will study, like the book of Hebrews, I'm going to teach that next year, and I'm memorizing it, I'm almost done uh, through chapter 10 on it now. And so I think, okay, I'm going to take and form a doctrinal statement based on just this book. I'm going to read it and study it and just come up with everything I believe about God, salvation, the eternal rewards, the whole nine yards, just on this book. I did that with the Gospel of John. I did that with the book of Ephesians, the book of Philippians. So obviously they have a limited view but uh, uh, looking at it now, if you were going to use just the book of Hebrews, what would you be, a Calvinist or an Arminian? You'd be an Arminian through and through. That whole book is a warning to those who are backsliding, falling away from Jesus. Uh, and so it's very, very, very strong on your choosing and your drifting, falling. And so there's constant warnings uh, Hebrews chapter 6, one of the strongest warnings in the Bible. Let's press on towards maturity. This we will do if God permits. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted the Holy Spirit and have been partakers of, of the Holy Spirit and the, and the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. For they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. That's a kind of, whew, that'll just make you kind of nervous. Um, I don't reconcile it with that. I just hold to both intentions. I'm not saying that. I'm just quoting the verse to you. So uh, that's what that passage says. And again, uh, there you take the book of Hebrews and it's written to a group of people that have fallen away and the warnings that are there, the information is there. And then you read the book of Ephesians and when you talk about election, predestination, the book of Ephesians is the book that has the majority of the content in that passage. So you take the book of Ephesians, study it, read it, Form your doctrinal statement. You'll be uh, right over here with John Calvin. Read the book of Hebrews. Use that as your total basic statement. You're going to be clear over here on the fact that it's all up to you. And so, but we don't have just one book. We have all of them. And we read them and study them. And again, heresy is truth out of balance. 
it, it holds things in tension together. They both can be true, and so uh, that's the key thing for you and your thinking is uh, not to go, uh, and, and people say that to me, you mean you're saying this? I say, I'm not saying anything. I'm just, this is what the verse says. And uh, so when I quote Hebrews 6, 1, Duh! don't get excited with me. I didn't write it. <laughs> I just memorized it and quoted it to you. And uh, so you can look at the verses that I read, uh, Ephesians 1, 11, say, well, that just seems like, uh, or, or other verses. And so s- maintain the balance between both views. I'm saying there's lots of verses that totally support uh, what we would call the Arminian view. There's a ton of people that are over there. And then there's a ton of verses. And uh, Katrina just quoted one in Romans 8 uh, about the eternal security of the believer and the uh, predestined plan of God. And uh, there's just a great bunch of verses over there. And there's a whole camp of people that say this is the way it is. And uh, so if you go over here, what do you do with those? And if you're over here, what do you do with those? And so I just say, I'm going to know how it all fits together when I get to heaven. In the meantime, I'm just going to walk in between the two in balance. From my perspective, so far as it depends on me, I'm going to act like it all depends on me. But when I get to the end of the day, I'm going to give all the glory to God. I was only able to do what I was able to do because of what He does in and through me. And I begin the day by saying, apart from you, Lord, I can do nothing. Fill me with your spirit. Grant me your power. Help me to know exactly what your will is for my life. Then all day long, I'll run, work, strive. Um, And so I don't want to be irresponsible, lazy, apathetic, without passion. And I don't want to be prideful, arrogant, independent, self-sufficient. So it's a little tricky. But all it requires is just uh, reading the Bible, all of it, regularly. And the, you'll read the different verses, and it kind of maintains the balance uh, in, in your life. So, the Lord is not slow about His promises. Some count slowness. is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish. Not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So, uh, I want to reach lots of people so I get a little bit of pushback regularly in my seminar that's going to happen next week I'm really big on goals as you know and by the way if you haven't given me your goals I'm I'm praying for you uh, that uh, your car breaks down and so uh, uh, if I mention Next week about our goal that we would be a church of 900 regularly attending people each weekend. There'll be those who say, well, it doesn't depend on us. Well, then why are all those commands in there? (coughs) Every command that says, every imperative, everything that says do, uh, I'll just cut them out. If I don't have responsibility and a role in the whole thing. And uh, so you, you just have to maintain the balance between the commands given to me, the choices I have to do things, to be responsible, to be passionate, to reach the lost, go make disciples of every nation. God's not willing that any parish all come to repentance. He's not slow about his coming, but he just wants every person to come to Christ. 
So I'll work as if that's true and uh, pray as if it's true and set goals and strive. And then again, on the other hand, when it's all said and done, I'll recognize that God's God, He's sovereign, and how they fit, I'm not sure. Uh, J. Vernon McGee had an illustration that is probably as close to helping me understand as anyone. He says, we're on a train headed for Chicago. And you're not going to convince the engineer to go anyplace else. He's set at a certain speed, and he's on the tracks, and he's going. You're on the train. Now, you can go back to the caboose and take a nap, or you can go up to the engine and, and uh, talk to the engineer. You can stop in between and have some food. You can read your Bible. You can talk to somebody in one of the boxcars about Jesus. You're on the train to Chicago. But the engine to the caboose and each of the cars and all there is to do, that's what you can do is you go to Chicago. Now, from our view, it looks like uh, the life in the train is pretty much all there is. But if you were to be taken out and looked down, whoa, that train's going to Chicago at a certain speed and it's going to get there and I'm on it and nothing I can do to change that. So whether you like that illustration or not, uh, I remember hearing that J. Vernon McGee and I thought, I like that one. So it gives me a little bit of a picture on how they both exist at the same time in tension. So what's the Do you have to talk a little louder? Push back. God's in charge. He's going to build his church, and we're just along for the ride, so take it easy. And so all my pushing to set goals and to, and to uh, grow faster and to evaluate and uh, to, uh, you know, I, I, we're, our goal is to grow 10% a year. Uh, my goal is to keep 25% of all first-time attenders as regulars. So when I start talking like that, these guys say, oh, we don't need to do that. We just need to show up and do church and let Jesus build his church. And uh, so I, I just feel I mean, he's going to build his church, but it sure seems like some of them aren't getting built very well. And is that my fault or his? Um, others are growing rapidly, reaching lots of lost people, making lots of disciples. And so that's just God's saying, okay, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Okay, I'm going to bless you, but you, you're stuck. Uh, that's where a lot are camped. And so one of the reasons they like that view is it takes all the pressure off of me, all the accountability off of me. I don't have to really get too excited. I can sleep until 10 if I want because it doesn't matter whether I get up at 5 or sleep until 10. Jesus is going to build his church, and if I'm one that he's going to build, cool. If I'm not, then that's the way it is. Uh, and so uh, I believe in trust in God, but I also believe in running hard and setting goals and working and reaching lost people. And so how those fit together, I don't have a clue. But they both are true, and I will live both of them and live them in tension and balance without becoming a, a nut on either side. <laughs> if I can use that word, my faith and commitment to Christ is validated by my faithfulness, endurance, and works. So that was kind of the point of last week's sermon. Um, in other words, if I am saved, um, book of Hebrews, that's the theme of the whole book. Um, and 1 John as well. If you read those two books, come up with theology just from them. Uh, you'll recognize James the same way. You read the book of James, book of Hebrews, uh, and uh, show me your faith. Cool, the devils believe and shudder. 
Uh, I'll show you my faith with my works. And Hebrews, that's the theme. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through the end. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. Be diligent to enter that rest. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. So again, that's Hebrews. And 2 Peter 1, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent. Diligent. That's a cool word, isn't it? It's a character trait. Diligent to make certain about His calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Okay, it's kind of a lot of diligence there, a lot of effort. Uh, as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Well, if you don't practice them, you could. What does that mean then? Uh, you lost your salvation or you didn't, weren't saved in the first place. Uh, kind of looks the same from our perspective. Philippians 2.13, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. It's God who is at work in you, both for, to will and to work for His good pleasure. So you read that one and then, whoops, let's go the other way. And you read that one. You've got a tug-of-war going on. Did I ever tell you about my tug-of-war? If we were to have this conversation, what in your entire life was the most glorious experience that you ever had? When I was uh, 21, Trout Lake Fair every year in Trout Lake, sort of a quaint little thing. We had porcupine races. I don't know if you've ever been to a fair that had porcupine races. They were really cool. Oh, they were a lot of fun. And we had, you know, the grease pig chase and the lamb chase and all those things. And, well, they had this tug-of-war. And uh, there was a family that lived a little bit out of Trout Lake that split shakes for a living. And back then they did it by hand. And, and so all the boys, there was a whole bunch of boys, they were all built like uh, uh, Bill Perlicek, if you know who Bill is. I mean, he's just about that wide and his arms are that big around. And that's the way they were. They were just big dudes. And uh, they won the tug-of-war. Most every year, well, every year up to that point. And so myself and my brother Jeff and my brother-in-law Monty decided to enter the tug-of-war. And so you, everybody's entered. If you have 20 teams and you pull and the winner pulls and you just keep working down until there's just the two teams. And so it's pretty much of an all-day event out on this field in front of everybody. So they advertise the championship pull-off. And I can't even remember their last names. Um, Anyway, this dad and two sons were on the one side. Together, they probably weighed a thousand pounds. Uh, I mean, they were big, big dudes. And I was really skinny back then, weighed about 180 pounds, 88 pounds. My brother uh, Jeff was less. Monty was probably the same. So we weren't really big uh, guys. And so we're there. We're going to pull against these guys. And so I took the rope as a inch and a half rope, and I an overhand knot in it just it took me a little bit of time got it just big enough so I could just get my hand through it and uh, so I wouldn't have to worry about gripping it and when we got started I dug a big hole in fact I dug two big holes one for each foot and I laid down on the ground and there was a clump of grass and I got a hold of it with my left hand and I had the rope on this hand and so they started pulling and Jeff and Monty were up there and this you know and I'm just sort of anchored there 
thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to be pulled in limb from limb here, but uh, hopefully they'll help. And so just kept at it, kept at it. And they just bucking like a couple of bulls on the other end, pulling and I got I'm dug in there. And uh, finally, just because of their size and weight, the, the, uh, the uh, effort they were putting out, they started getting a bit tired. And so I was, while they were doing this, I was, as best I could, reaching up and digging another hole just about six inches ahead of the one I was in. And as soon as I get a chance to dig a little hole, put it back, dig a little hole, put it back, and so on. I could feel them kind of giving a little bit. I reached my foot up to this one, and I, I yelled at Monty and Jeff. I says, a little extra effort right now. And so we'd make a six-inch pull. So I'd hang on like a buck in the, Then I would reach up and dig another one about six inches. It took 40 minutes, but we won that tug-of-war. And everybody said, that's impossible. <laughs> so that's my moment of glory. And uh, I still remember that after all these years. You know, the prize for winning was a six-pack of warm Nesbitt orange pop. <laughs> so Raymond would like that. Yeah. So that tug-of-war, that pulling, uh, that's those two views. And so you maintain the balance. You just... Maintain the balance there, and again, don't turn into a nut one way or the other. Um, it's God who is at work, but I'm responsible. I choose. At the beginning of every day, I ask God for his strength because apart from him, I can do nothing. So if you're going to maintain balance, that's a great place to start. Uh, Lord, if you don't grant me the strength, I'll just be a pile of dirt on the floor. Um, I can't take a breath without you uh, providing me everything I need to do that. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Boy, that's, get with it. Do something that matters. Bear some fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. So that word abide is used. Abide, 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 abide. Abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, I, am the, I am the vine. Back to the beginning. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him. He bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 through 6, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. Our adequacy is from God. Our adequacy is from God. We who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. For who is God but the Lord? Who is a rock except our God, the God who girds me with strength and makes my way blameless? He makes my feet like hinds feet, sets me upon my high places. He trains my hands for battle so my arms can bend a bow of bronze. I like that last part. I quote that regularly when I go archery hunting. Come on, Lord, help me pull this bow back. (laughs) Eight, at the beginning of every day, I ask God for his guidance and wisdom so I can know his perfect will for my life because outside of his will, I will fail miserably. So collect all the verses, and especially in Psalms that pray that prayer there's dozens of them Um, teach me your will lord lead me on level ground Um, so every day i say lord please guide me show me exactly what your will is for my life and uh, help me to choose to do what you will bless
But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously without reproach and will be given to him. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I pray this prayer when I pray for all of you every week. This is a major prayer that I pray every time. I pray that God will fill you with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And the result is so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. That's what happens when you are filled with the knowledge of his will. Strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Nine, at the end of every day, I thank God for doing everything through me that I did that was good and holy. So whatever I did, I said, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, the open door. Thank you for the strength. Thank you for the wisdom. Thank you for the help. Apart from you, I can do nothing. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. No, 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 no. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. He has created me, made me, not me, not myself. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. I think I did, did this one. I push the button, go backwards all the time. Ten, at the end of every day, I confess all known sin to God because I did wrong. I chose to do wrong, and so I confess and experience his forgiveness. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, I just quoted that all day long, number 11, I worship God as almighty, sovereign creator, omnipotent, all-wise, omnipresent God in whom I live and breathe and exist. And so uh, he is God. He is sovereign. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up, you understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind before, laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shield, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will lay hold of me. Uh, so you do it. Uh, if I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The light, night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. If you formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And this cool verse. In your book were written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. In your book you wrote out the days that were ordained for me. So some would say, okay, I'll just stay in bed. So why memorize the Bible, read the Bible, witness, work hard? all already preordained so that's living out of balance so you maintain the balance between my responsible living god's plans and his will his strength and 
keep them in tension and you live uh, a good life and you bear fruit and you glorify God. Go one way or the other and you will become a zero. Um, one way or the other. You don't do much if you don't maintain the balance. Um, I'm going to jump ahead. I strive in my thinking and attitude to hold these truths in tension, to live and to teach being balanced between God's role and mine. And so all of these start with I. This is my life, my view, my uh, what I call position uh, theologically where I live. And so I review it to maintain that and examine my life. And so I strive in my thinking to maintain balance between God's role, my role, how they fit, I don't know. But I work at both of those. And to acknowledge that God's ways are infinitely higher than my ways and to trust Him completely even though I don't understand. So I can understand some things, other things I can't. Romans 11, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable His ways. Who, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor or who was first given to him that it might be paid back to him again. For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. And so God is God and I am not. But I have been given responsibility. I've been commissioned. I've been called. I've been energized. I have the word of God. I have the church. So stay in the middle. And don't become a nut on one side or the other. Amen. See you next week.